Hey, y'all. Good afternoon. What's up? Good to see everybody. For those of you here for the first time, welcome to Nashville Life. I serve as lead pastor here, and uh, you might not know this, but me and my wife last week brought a beautiful baby girl into the world. Honey Rosa is here, and uh, yeah, she came in just bringing so much joy, and we are loving life, not sleeping a lot, but loving life, and uh, man, she's beautiful, and Jasmine's doing well, and healthy, and we're just grateful. We're grateful, so thank you all who've been praying for us. Yes, praise God indeed. Um, man, so I said she doesn't know it yet, but this is her church. Honey's already joined Nashville Life. Uh, so you guys will all get to know her over the years to come. But yeah, she's, she's awesome. And I can't wait for her to meet you guys. But yes, Honey and her mom, Jazz, are at the house. But uh, Jazz washed online and she's just recovering and resting. But um, man, it's, it's a good time. It's a sweet time. I want to thank everybody who's been just there for us, especially at the church. Uh, my sister spoke for me last week, did a great job. Thank you to Ashley. And then uh, Pastor Denise Ray, a pastor from the Chicago area, happened to be in Nashville area last week and blessed the third service. It was this service that she came. Taught on forgiveness. My goodness. We watched online and she was a huge blessing to the church. She's been a blessing to our family for over a decade now, and uh, to me and Jasmine as well. So it's great having just prayer warriors and people who love God in your life. They're just priceless, priceless additions to your life. So grateful to her. I want to thank Lucy and Marion and our staff, Matt, and everyone filling in for me during the prayer meetings. I've had other people lead prayer while I've been with my family, and uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so yeah, we got a, we got a lot, th- lot of good things going on. I got a lot to be grateful for. Um, this week is going to be a great week for church. We've got life groups that are um, happening, and they've been great. I'm mean, hearing nothing but good stuff every week. So uh, please, if you are interested, a lot of them are closed due to, due to size, but if any of them are still open, please don't don't count yourself out of life groups. Life groups are great blessings, and uh, this week is going to be a strong week. Closing out on Saturday, I'm going to reiterate it for the third time, only because I really want you all to come if you can. Our serve day, it's just across the street, uh, down a few, few blocks across the street at Winston Elementary School. We're going to bless them and let them know there's a church up the road that loves them and loves their families uh, so 10 o'clock to 2, if you can make any of that, we'd love to see you. Just text an RSVP so that we can make sure we have enough jobs for everybody, enough food for everybody. Um, so yes, but I'm ready to get into the Word. I've been itching to get into this uh, series again. I love this series about the grace of God. But before we do, uh, let's just repeat these words after me. Say, the Word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Amen. All right. So the series is the grace of God, rich topic, impossible to cover all of it in a month. But man, is it a, a great gift to humanity that um, I really want to make sure that we're properly utilizing because grace, man, once you understand what it is and you know how to use it, goodness, it's such an asset to your life. It's a life changer. It literally changes your life um, when you learn how to live your life in the grace of God and to embrace his grace. Um, it is uh, a resource of strength and provision and power, and it enables you to do things that you could not do without it. It really will make your life completely different than what it is today. So I want to spend the whole month talking about it, and we've been diving in via uh, a passage in the book of Titus, book of Titus chapter 2, and I've been reading from the Amplified Version because uh, I just love how thorough it is, and grace is a topic that my prayer is that we all go into October with a fresh understanding and appreciation for God's grace. So I'm going to read verse 11 through 14, and we'll focus on verse 13, but I'll read the whole passage first. It says, For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age, awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our great God and Savior, sorry, the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Two weeks ago, we focused on verse 11, and we shared um, how the scripture says, the grace of God has appeared to all people. It's shining this moment on everybody. But we learned that the condition of our heart is what determines how well we see the grace that has appeared to us. So, so the Bible says that with a pure heart, we can clearly see God and his goodness and his grace. But when our heart is covered with, with sin and, and unforgiveness and, and bitterness and all the things that Pastor Denise spoke about, um, that unforgiveness scripture uh, or the topic that she taught on last week, when those things are in our heart, they work as blinders to the grace of God. So even though God's grace is shining on you, unless your heart has been healed, you, you find yourself not able to see it. And it's a, it's a tragic situation, especially given that it's available to you. So we talked about the gift of repentance and how we can actively and regularly, even daily, repent and ask God to, to change our hearts and to purify our hearts so that we can see him and enjoy the gracious life that he has 
for us. Uh, last week, my sister taught on how grace teaches us. It actually teaches us how to reject what's ungodly and to choose what is godly, ultimately leading us to what the Bible calls spiritual maturity. And that is the destination for all of us. The growth track for every Christian is to mature spiritually. And I believe that spiritual maturity is what will enable us to fulfill the purpose that's described in verse 13, which we're going to focus on today. Verse 13 of Titus 2 says, we should be awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Um, one of our purpose as Christians, guys, is to be expectant and prepared for Jesus to come back. He is coming back, and he's coming back soon, and he's coming back soon regardless of people believe it or not, but Christians are called to be the ones that not only believe it, but are confidently waiting and expecting it. And that's a part of our role as, as people on this earth, as Christians, the church. We're supposed to be the people who are confidently awaiting for this incredible day, this amazing, life-changing day, earth-changing day when Jesus returns. I love that the scripture describes it as our uh, as the fulfillment of our hope. Because as Christians, we have hope today. We have hope right now. But the Bible says that our hope is going to be fulfilled when Jesus returns, which means there are still some things that we are waiting on that haven't happened yet. And, and when Jesus returns, there's going to be a fulfillment of so much of what we're longing for and so much of what we're living for. I'm just going to give a, bullet, a few bullet points of, of what happens when Christ returns, what we can expect on this day. When Christ returns, the Bible says that every person who's ever lived is going to bow and confess the lordship of Jesus. I mean, imagine how validating and, and thrilling and exciting and beautiful that day is going to be where every nation and every tongue, every tribe, no matter what your belief was before, when people see his return, the Bible says everybody's going to see it. It's going to be something that everybody sees and everyone's going to fall on their knees and bow and worship and confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I just, I just can't wait for that. I just can't even fathom how epic of a, a moment that's going to be to see every single person who's ever lived acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. I mean, how beautiful is that going to be for the church, the ones who were believing it already, right? We were we believed it before he came, right? That's, that's the beauty of our position, but that's something that we have to look forward to. Another thing that's going to happen when he returns is Satan and his work will stop once and for all. It'll finally come to an end because the beautiful thing about today, yes, you know, Satan is defeated, but let's be honest, he's, he's still busy. He's still doing stuff, and, and when Jesus comes back, he's going to finally put an end to all of his works all of his schemes, no more rebuking him, no more fighting against him and resisting him and putting up the shield of faith against the fiery darts. There's going to be no more darts against us. And Jesus is going to finally 
end him once and for all. We have that to look forward to. Another thing that's going to happen is the earth is going to be redeemed. The Bible says that the earth is groaning right now. The earth is in pain right now, and it's finally going to be relieved. And lastly, every person who's in Christ will be glorified with new bodies, and they will start an eternal bliss, or we will start an eternal bliss with Jesus, with no more sickness, no more pain, no more decay. All that, all of that stuff is going to come when Christ returns. And we as Christians are called to be people who are aware of this and excited about this and, and knowledgeable of this and prepared for this. That's part of our purpose as the church, to be the individuals on earth who know that this day is coming and are not only personally ready for it, but are engaging at getting the rest of the world ready for this as well. So that's our purpose. One of our steps of our church is discovering your purpose. Our, one of our purposes is to live waiting and expecting with confidence the return of Jesus. There's a lifestyle that comes with, with knowing that Jesus is coming back. There's a disposition that comes with knowing that he's returning. It really shapes and molds the way that you see life and the way that you approach life and the world needs people with this level of awareness and this level of confidence and this, this degree of hope and maturity, which I really think maturity is connected to having this outlook. I do believe that spiritual maturity is connected to awaiting the return of Christ and expecting the return of Christ. I want to talk about a word that I think challenges the Christian purpose in being ready for Jesus to return back. And the word is worldliness. Worldliness. It's a topic, it's a word that you'll see in scripture about, you know, being of the world and worldly things. The way I'll define it for today is, is worldliness is when matters of the world are prioritized over the kingdom of God. Worldliness is when matters of the world are prioritized over the kingdom of God. Um, I wrote a question down that I want to present to you guys. It says, the question is, what if spiritual maturity has less to do with age and more to do with priorities. What if spiritual maturity is a matter of when your priorities become the kingdom and that becomes the first priority, his kingdom and his righteousness? I truly believe that that's who God recognizes as the wise. I was reading the story about the parable of the ten virgins and five were wise and five weren't, I don't think it had to do with their age or even their experience. It was about their priorities and knowing what to put first and knowing the, the value of preparation and, and focus and, and being ready. Jesus supports this theory that I have about priorities being uh, essential to our development as Christians. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about his return in verse 36 to 39. I'm going to read those few verses. 
And it's really interesting what he says. Jesus says, but of that day, he's talking about the day where he comes back. Jesus says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So only God the Father knows the time that this is actually going to happen. Jesus is basically on standby. And the minute the Father says now, he goes, yes, I'm going. So no one knows but the Father. But as the days of Noah were, check this, guys, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, you've got to check this. Jesus is trying to communicate and bring understanding about his return. And of all the stories he could use, he chooses Noah and the flood to help us understand what his return is going to be like. Um, for those of you who don't know, there's a story in Genesis where God warns Noah that he's going to destroy the whole earth with a flood. And the only salvation, if you will, is he's instructing Noah to build a large ark that will save a remnant of humanity and of all life. And just like God promised, the flood came. Noah had built the ark as God instructed, and the whole earth was consumed by water. Jesus describes the world during the time of the flood, right into the moment of the flood, of people eating, drinking, giving in marriage, getting married. And this is the condition and the, the activity of those who got swept away by the flood. And I just, I was reading into this and I just don't think it's by accident that Jesus chose these words to describe people who weren't ready and who were not prepared for this flood. Notice the Bible doesn't say that they were killing and stealing. They weren't robbing. They weren't hating. And maybe they were. There, I'm sure there was some bad stuff happening. But that's not what Jesus chose to highlight. He described them doing what I think all of us would agree is just normal human stuff, just regular life, eating. We all eat and drink and getting married and just carrying on with life. And I really do believe that today God wants to bring our attention not so much on the big bad sins and the debauchery and all those things. Now, obviously, if that stuff is going on in your life, you're going to have opportunity to repent. And God is here. His mercy is here. His grace is here. But I think the majority of us aren't wrestling with um, robbing banks and things like that. The things that trip most of us up could possibly just be the regular everyday things that everybody does. The things that are harmless in and of themselves but when placed in an improper priority can really cause you to miss out on what God is trying to do and say with 
to your life and can actually dull your senses and keep you from being that prepared, expectant person that you're called to be as a Christian. I think today is about those harmless things. I, I said to the last service, I think we should be aware of the potential harm of the harmless things. Um, because it's the harmless stuff that can, that can really deceive us because it's not like we're doing anything bad, but it preoccupies us from what our purpose is supposed to be. Uh, I wrote this, worldliness is not involvement with the world necessarily. Because we're all involved with the world. Most of us all drove cars here. We're all wearing clothes made by companies that aren't necessarily Christian. Like we're, we're in this world. We make money. We, we live. We eat. We do our thing. We, we, we are people. We are all involved in the world. None of us flew in here. We all walked in here. We are people that live in this world. So involvement with the world, getting married and having a good meal and going on vacation, I'm not coming to condemn those things. I don't think that's the issue. The issue is when earthly matters take precedent and have more of our attention and more of our interest than the kingdom of God. So worldliness is not involvement with the world. Worldliness is when matters of the world are prioritized over the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus likes using the regular everyday things to convey this point. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but there's another passage where Jesus gives a story of a master that's inviting everybody to a big dinner. And he says, everybody, y'all, everyone that he invited had excuses to why they couldn't come to his dinner. And y'all, none of the excuses were debaucherous excuses. It was stuff like I bought land, or I bought cattle, or I just got married. These are all things that are harmless and fine within themselves. But the master got angry. And I don't, I'm telling you something today. He wasn't angry because they were getting married. He wasn't angry because they owned property. He wasn't angry because they bought cattle. He was angry that these things kept them from responding to his invitation to the dinner. That's the issue. The issue is when your earthly matters, when you're so preoccupied with these everyday, regular, harmless things that you don't have time or interest or even passion for the things of the kingdom. That's when these things become, honestly, uh, detriments to our lives. I've seen assets turn into liabilities. I've seen blessings turn into curses. I've seen promotions cost people their love for God. I've seen increase in pay cost people their passion for Jesus. I've seen things that were meant and started off as blessings turn into curses because they became priority over the very one who gave them the blessing. It's happened, and my prayer is that because of this message, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to save us all from going down the path that unfortunately so many have gone down in the future. So I'm not 
live your life, invest and buy property and get married and enjoy life, but be careful as people of God, as citizens of heaven, that we don't allow the blessings of this earth blind us and dull us and de desensitize us to the glory of what's happening in heaven. There's a scripture in 2 Timothy 2, 4. And I, it wasn't in my notes, but I think the Holy Spirit brought it to my memory while I was teaching, so we put it up on the screen. I love this, y'all. This kind of says it perfectly. Paul says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, before the scripture can really make sense, you got to understand a couple things. Because some of y'all might not know this. I'm not sure. We probably have a wide spectrum of, of faith and, and experience and maturity in here. In case you have not heard it before, when you said yes to Jesus, you were enlisted into what we'll call the army of God. You were enlisted to a life of service. You weren't just saved. You were enlisted. If you're a Christian, you're not just saved. You're a servant. You're not just saved. You're a soldier. So Paul was teaching someone that understood this. And to convey the point that I'm trying to share with you today, let's put it back on the screen if you can. He said that no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. He didn't say debaucherous affairs. He didn't say heathenistic, heathen affairs. He said civilians. Civilians are people who are not enlisted in the service. Civilian life is... A life of someone who's not enlisted in the service. They live their lives for themselves. They're not even necessarily doing bad things, but they aren't living their life like someone who's been enlisted into the army. And when it comes to Christians, guys, as citizens of heaven, as people of the kingdom, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that we can no longer afford to live civilian lives, as in lives of people who have not been enlisted to serve God. As, as, as the lives, we can't afford to live lives as as people who have not been given the responsibility of bringing the will of God as it is in heaven on earth through our everyday life. And I'm telling you, nothing can trip you up more than just those everyday civilian. I'm talking about school. I'm talking about fitness. I'm talking about our jobs. I'm talking about our social life. I'm talking about vacation. I'm talking about the everyday stuff that, again, is within and of itself harmless. But we're no, we're no longer civilians. So I think that might be the first thing to chew for some of you guys, that you're not a civilian anymore. You're an ambassador of Christ as the, as the body of Christ. And when it comes to... Our purpose to be people, the, the people, the people who are expectant and prepared and mindful and aware and interested at least, at the most passionate about the return of Jesus, we can't afford to be entangled. Now, again, I'm not saying that we don't live our lives 
But there's a difference in living your life on earth and being uh, conditioned by the world. It's one thing to uh, live your life and have earthly matters. And it's another thing to let those earthly matters prevent you from your kingdom purpose. And that's what I'm talking about here. I'll say it again. What if spiritual maturity has less to do with age and more to do with priorities? Jesus tells us what our priorities should be. He says the first thing should be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, seek first. The first thing you should pursue, if you are a Christian, is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else, what you eat, what you drink, how you're going to afford this, and what you're going to wear tomorrow, all of those concerns should never take precedent over what is happening in the kingdom of God today. What is God saying to me in regards to his kingdom and his righteousness? So we've got, uh, we need some help. We need grace in order to become these people, in order to fulfill this purpose that the Lord is calling the church to be. Um, so I just want to give a couple of practical thoughts on how to be free from worldliness. How to be free from worldliness I've got some points. You might want to take these notes down because it has to do with reprioritizing. You have to reprioritize. Um, I say reprioritize because we all have already prioritized. Your life is a product of your current priorities. We've all, we all walked in here with a set of priorities. So the issue is not that we haven't prioritized. The Lord is inviting us to reprioritize, which is just to, re, just to prioritize again. So the, things that, the thing that's at number three right now, maybe it needs to be at nine. The thing that's at number four, maybe that needs to be number one. The Lord will help you. He will help you rearrange the priorities of your life to where it reflects who you've been called to be as a Christian. Number two, uh, repent. Uh, repentance is changing your mind. Whatever your mind is on right now, change that thing to Jesus. Make Jesus your focus. Make Jesus your, uh, your direction that you're, folk, you're, you're aimed towards. And honestly, for the sake of this message, some of you guys might not be repenting from the big bad sins. Some of you guys might be repenting from just putting something that is fine, but putting it before God. That might be most of our prayers, you know, Lord, I've put X, Y, and Z before you, and that is hindering my ability for being ready for your return. Another thing is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, oh, the Holy Spirit is so much help. 
Okay, the Holy Spirit's job, guys, is to prepare the world for the return of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here on earth as we speak, and he is passionate about the return of Christ. And he makes it his daily mission to prepare this world for this glorious day. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, the reason why it's so wise is because instead of having to conjure up your own excitement about Jesus, just be filled with the one who's excited about Jesus. If you, yourself right now, is filled with the one who was passionate about Jesus' return, you will actually be passionate about his return. You know, there's talk about the evidence of the being filled with the Holy Spirit, and, you know, and, and I'm, 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 a, I'm on the tongues wagon. I believe that tongues comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I believe there's other things that's evidence too, and that is being caring, caring that people are saved. I believe that that is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you care about this world being ready for the return of Jesus, my sister uh, prayed with one of our leaders about 12 years ago, Shannon Smith. She's married to Trey. Shannon got baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And she's, they were in the back room of the salon they both were working at. And she received the Holy Spirit right there at the, in the break room and spoke in tongues and worshiped God. And the first thing that she said that was not tongues, the first English word that came out of her mouth was, I just want to save the whole world. And Ashley was like, yes, yes, we, we, we will. The church, we can do it. We can do it. Her husband, a year before, Trey, when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, did all the stuff, praise God, came out. First thing he did, got his phone out. I got to text all my friends and tell them about Jesus. This is evidence that the Holy Spirit is in us because the Holy Spirit wants everybody saved. The Holy Spirit wants this world ready for the return of Jesus, which is why we should be filled with him. He will take care of the passion for you. He will give you the excitement you need. He will give you the focus you need. I'm telling you, I don't think we understand how on fire the Holy Spirit, I mean, he, forget on fire, he is fire. Did y'all understand that Jesus says, you guys will be uh, baptized, John the Baptist, you guys will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will provide you the fire that you need to be that person that Titus 2 is talking about of being expected and confident of the return of Jesus. And some of you guys, don't be scared. Yeah, I'm a quiet person. It's okay. The Holy Spirit will be your fire. I'm timid. It's okay. The Holy Spirit's not. So be filled with him, and he will give you a confidence and boldness that you never even knew was possible for your life. This is why Jesus says be filled with this person, because he will give you the compassion that you need and the endurance that you need and the, 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 the passion and the caring that you need and the love that you need. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not filled, be filled today. He will give you all of the strength, all of the passion that you need. And it'll be real. You won't be fake. You won't have to, like, pretend. I promise you. The Holy Spirit, it will be, some of y'all, I just want to make sure it's organic. I just want to make sure it will be so organic. Trust me. Nothing is more real than God. Nothing is more real. 
on this earth than the Holy Spirit. And if you allow, if you would allow him to, con the Bible says he's a consuming fire. He wants to consume you. And some of you guys are scared. Trust me, you don't have to be scared of God. Don't be scared of the one who loves you more than anybody. Don't be scared of the one who loves you more than anybody in this room, including me. He loves you, but he needs you to yield to him so that his fire can live inside your heart and you can take part in this incredible honor that the church has been given and that is preparing the world for Jesus' return. Speaking of church, another practical step is attend church. You got to come. Come to church. Come to church. Find a group. Find people. Find, find a small group. Find a group and serve. And this is what this does. Attending church, finding a group, and serving. It's real practical. There's a lot of spiritual reasons I can tell you why you should come to all those things. But the one I'm going to highlight today is what I have found in serving and attending church every Sunday, pretty much, is when the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God to be in your life, the kingdom of God has got to be in your calendar. And something as simple as church on Sunday at this time, my life group on Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever at this time, I serve on that Saturday. I got to be there on that Sunday. These things keep kingdom things on your weekly calendar. And as when, when, when kingdom matters, are, go from being in the ethereal kind of just elusive just space of, yeah, he's in my heart. When it starts getting on your calendar, it's so much easier to keep the kingdom at the forefront of your mind. Because what, what this world wants to do is the, the world wants to take the kingdom from being something that's right here to something that's tucked on that shelf collecting dust. And something as simple as attending church, being in the room, being in group, having activity that are, that are, that, that's, that's kingdom directed, it keeps the kingdom of God fresh on your mind. It keeps it active in your life. It keeps your muscles active towards kingdom things and it keeps you from drifting what we all do if we're not careful. All of us, without proactively putting our foot on the gas in the kingdom, all of us, including me, drift. The current of our world is away from God. You can't get close to God and flow with the current of life. The world is built to make you turn down towards God. It's built to turn down your fire. So we have to make sure that we supplement our lives with kingdom things if we want the fire to maintain, let alone turn up. Turn up. Uh, second to last one, form friendships with kingdom-minded people. This is something that I can tell you from firsthand. 
I have been, I have been actively seeking God's kingdom and I'll, for lack of a better phrase, on fire for probably 13 years now. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the only reason why I'm still going and I'm still interested in this stuff is because of the friendships that I have. I realized about a year and a half in that I had to reserve my close friendships, not all friendships, but my close friendships for, other, with, for people who were passionate and prioritizing the kingdom of God. Now, I didn't say all friends. I still have friends who don't care at all about this, but they, they can't, I can't afford for them to be the close ones because what it'll do is, guys, I don't know if y'all know this, friends change you. Mark my words, your friends will change you. And there's two options. Your friends will either turn up your fire or they will turn it down. No other option. Your friends change you. And when I realized this, I said, oh, I have, I have to make some decisions here. So when it came to friends, because I was someone, because I made a personal decision, I was going to live for God. And I was going to build the kingdom of God. So I was like, i got to surround myself. Now, don't be foolish. Don't, like, call your lukewarm friends and be like, oh, we can't be friends anymore. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Like, there's other ways you can do it that are not, like, that's not going to, that's not good. Because you can still love them and you can still hang out. But, but as far as that close space, the ones that I spend the majority of my time with, the ones that I'm actually rubbing, they've got to be people that are prioritizing the kingdom of God. Because my friends change me. And my kingdom-minded friends have made me more kingdom-minded. And then lastly, start a life of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Don't just pray, guys. We need to incorporate fasting here and there. I'm not saying I do it every week. I'm not saying I got to give up food for three weeks, but just fasting here and there. Prayer keeps you alive in the spirit. It keeps spiritual things relevant to your life. Prayer is what keeps the spirit relevant to your actual life and your heart. Prayer is the, the engine that keeps you alive towards the things of God. And fasting, <laughs> I told sir, when, when, you, when you fast, it's a great reminder that you're not a civilian anymore. I said, have you ever fasted or chose to fast? And that's always the day that the company pays for lunch or they bring pizza in or donuts that day. It's like of all the days to bring Krispy Kremes, it's the day I chose to fast. And nothing says you're not a civilian anymore than smelling those, those hot donuts and saying no thanks. It just reminds you that you have committed your life to something else. And that you've been enlisted, and it, it, it keeps the flesh 
and the worldliness at bay, and it keeps you alive to the reality that you have a divine purpose for your life. So those are some practical steps. The goal of this whole message is to get us to a place where we are that people that second that Titus 2 described, where we are awaiting and confidently expecting the return of Jesus and actually excited about it. I'm not talking about being the Armageddon's coming and you got canned foods everywhere. Like, I'm not saying be those paranoid people. Like, we're supposed to be happy and excited about his return, not scared. Y'all, he's, gonna, he's coming for us. He's coming for us. Like, to, to be with us and for us to be with him. So we should be excited. And I really do believe through our excitement, those around us will, will find themselves being excited too. Passion is contagious, guys. And the Lord wants to light us up with his passion. Um, but we got to just watch out for that, 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 worldly, that worldliness. That's, that's the thing that it's... At least in the stories of Jesus, those were the things that, that cost people their readiness. So assess your life. Ask the Lord to just, let's actually, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord right now. Father, before we leave, Lord, we want to come to you. We want to ask you. We want to ask you to help us. Help us, Lord, with our priorities, God. All of us, we all have lives here on this earth lives that you have blessed us with, lives that we should not be ashamed of, Lord, lives where we have jobs and we have marriages and we have kids and we, we play sports and we have hobbies, Lord, and we've got money to spend and we've got fun to have, all these things, Lord, we, 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 we all have lives, we have responsibilities, we have bills to pay, and Lord, you're aware of all of these things, God, but God, as your church, we respond to this message, Lord, asking for you to forgive us if we've let any of these earthly, worldly matters come before you and what you're saying to us. Lord, if any of these things have diminished our interest or our investment or our passion towards the kingdom of God, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And we repent, God, and we ask for you to give us the grace to reprioritize. And let our earthly concerns be lower. And for our concern for the kingdom and our pursuit of your righteousness. Lord, let it become the first priority in our lives, God. And Lord, you're practical. I believe that you're even going to give every person in this room practical tips on how to keep the kingdom first and everything else next. Lord, let the kingdom be first so that we can be your church, alive, sensitive to your voice, ready for your return, 
committed to prepare this world and prepare the people in our lives for your return so that when you come back on that day that you say is coming soon, God, Lord, on that day, we can meet you in peace with praise and gladness and joy and laughter. And God, I just see it. I sense it, God, and I just pray that you lead us to that place of preparation and expectation. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm going to give the whole room an opportunity to confess the lordship of Jesus. Confess it today. Everyone's going to confess, but guys, the goal is to confess before he returns. Let's confess today. Let's, let's confess his lordship. Let's give our hearts to him today so that when he comes, we're already ready. So repeat these words after me. Everybody in the room say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's praise God. You can clap. You can say yay. You can say thank you, Jesus. Just express your love to him. I'm going to ask for our prayer team to come down. We're about to dismiss, but this prayer team is here to serve you. If you need prayer for anything, if there's something heavy on your heart, if you're stressed out about something, if you want to share, confess something, if you need healing in your body, if you need uh, peace in your mind and you just want someone who's filled with God's love to pray for you, we're here. This team is here for you. We love you. Um, if you want to get more connected to the church or if you said yes to Jesus, uh, you can text us. Text the word BELONG, B-E-L-O-N-G, to 77411. It's a great way to connect. It's super easy. And then lastly, our Next Steps course will be in four minutes. I'm on the third floor. It'll be me and the whole staff. We'll give you the vision of our church. We'll meet with you. It won't take long. If you want to learn more about the church or how to get involved, I'd love for y'all to come up. Um, and I just love Next Steps. It's a great time for me to meet you guys. So think about it. Uh, lastly, if you want to give, you can give online or our team can serve you in the lobby. And uh, my prayer is that, that you guys were blessed today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit continues to give you some practical tips on how to reprioritize your life and, and get the kingdom of God more at the forefront of what you do and what you're about on a daily basis. Let's pray and then we'll hope, hope to see y'all next week. Uh, Father, thank you again. 
I pray a blessing over everybody who's here. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for preparing us for your return. Lord, continue to prepare us, Lord, so that we're ready and that we're prepared. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, the altar's open. Come down for prayer if you want. Have a great rest of your day. I love you.